welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Well, for those of you that uh, you don't recognize me, uh, I was here last Sunday, but I haven't been for a little while. I had three weeks of holiday, which is just fantastic. So, but I'm, I'm Greg Clark. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, it's a privilege to be up here again. I, I don't think I've preached since the middle of December, something like that. So it's fantastic. It was a good little break, um, but good to be back again. I'll give you a, a quick little report. Um, one of the reasons why I was taking some time off is my oldest daughter, Abby, went to England, YWAM in England. So my wife took her over there. They spent a few days in London and then dropped her off at uh, her YWAM base there in England and came back. And so we were saying goodbye to Abby, and then I was being a dad to the other kids that were around um, and kind of taking some time off at home doing that. So Abby's doing well. Uh, She's uh, having a fantastic time there already. She's already starting to write songs. I never thought she was going to do that. But she, so the, the YWAM they're at is called Word and Worship. And she sent a little picture today of her sitting down there writing a, a song that the Lord was kind of giving to her. So what a cool thing. What a cool thing. So if you remember Abby, uh, pray for her as she's spending time over there studying and learning more about God. Well, today's a good day. It's good to be here with you. Uh, it's good to be here with those of you that have joined online I thought it was neat what Erilyn said about um, if you, you know, the first snow of the year and those of you who haven't gotten your snow tires on yet, so if that's you at home and uh, it, there's still snow tires around, so make sure you get those put on. That's fantastic. Well, I've got a story I want to share with you. It's a, not my story. It's a story from World War II. Uh, it happened uh, many years ago in 1940. Well, in May of 1940... Uh, the Nazis were about to overrun. They just overrun France, and they were beginning to move all through the area, and uh, they were beginning to set their eyes on uh, uh, more on Britain and that area of the world. And there were 338,000 Allied troops retreating from the Nazis as they were putting this big push on, and these troops were were um, trapped on the beaches of Dunkirk. There was no hope of a timely uh, rescue. The British Prime Minister Winston Churchill was getting ready for the annihilation of the British Army. And this army was the last defense between England and the Third Third Reich's Blitzkrieg advance. But then something happened, something amazing. Some even called it miraculous. On May 24th, Hitler issued a baffling order uh, to his generals to stop their assault. The German tank division stopped just 10 10 miles away from Dunkirk. The city was enveloped in this strange fog, which made it impossible for even the Luftwaffe, which was the German uh, aerial uh, assault. It stopped them from being able to spot anybody on the ground. Um, And everything kind of just ground to a halt as these troops were isolated on this beach. Even stranger than that, the English Channel, which is notorious, notorious for high winds and choppy waters, was perfectly calm for three days, which allowed uh, these, these, uh, these ships, all these little boats, tiny little uh, civilian boats, to go across the English Channel and rescue these soldiers. 
this story was made famous yet again uh, by the f director Christopher Nolan. In 20 2017, he put out the film Dunkirk. So you might have watched that movie and seen this amazing rescue uh, that happened at that time. But what was not in the film is that on that Friday, May 24th, the day that Hitler issued his baffling order to stop, King George, upon hearing the news of the impending invasion, called the nation to a day of fasting and prayer. There's a picture up here. Tens of thousands of people literally lined up on the streets to get into Westminster Abbey. People were praying on the streets in clusters of people. They were pleading for God's mercy. Just hours after King George called for prayer and fasting, Hitler ordered his tank division to stop. And over the next three days, 338,000 troops were saved. That generation, and many generations after it, called that the, Dun the miracle of Dunkirk, the outcome of which arguably saved the whole of England and potentially the rest of the world. And I believe this victory, it's no happenstance that this happened just hours after prayer and fasting was enter in, entered into by thousands of people. All this month we're talking about fasting, and today we're talking about the third reason why we fast. Now, two weeks ago, Pastor Amy gave a, a fantastic message about the first reason that we fast, and the first reason is to offer ourselves to Jesus. If you remember, Pastor Amy said that we don't have a body, we are a body. Sometimes we have this separation between what is spiritual and what is non-spiritual, and that's just not the way God talks about it. God, God made our bodies. We are made by God. And so we are body, soul, and spirit. And so we can't separate ourselves from our physical beings. And so in that body, soul, and spirit place, we come to Jesus holy. And by fasting, we help to enter into worshiping God with our whole body. Last week, Pastor Amy again taught about the second reason that we fast, which is to grow in holiness. Pastor Amy helped us to understand that many times the Bible talks about the flesh, not the physical bodies, but the sinfulness. So the flesh is another word for our sinfulness, which draws us away from God. Fasting helps us to do battle against the flesh or our sinfulness so we can grow in our holiness. Today we're looking at the third reason we fast, which is to amplify our prayers. Now, many of you may be familiar with Rob Reamer. We've studied him a bit. We've read some of his books and talked about him before, here before. Uh, he wrote a book called Soul Care. And in that, not in that book, but I, I think it's in a different book that he wrote. Um, but Rob writes about spiritual authority. And as he writes about spiritual authority, one of his really great quotes is this quote. He says, Spiritual authority is rooted in identity, expanded in intimacy, and activated by faith. See, we're created by God to be his representatives here on earth. We've been set, sent out by Jesus to make disciples who make disciples. We are ambassadors for God, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. And in order to do all that we have to, all that we have to do, in order to do all of that, we have to walk in the spiritual authority that God has given to us as his children. We've been given spiritual authority. We can't do the things God has called us to do in our own power. We must do this in the power that God has given to us. The starting point for walking in that spiritual authority is knowing our identity in Christ. Because of Jesus, there are things which are true of us. Because of Jesus, 
there's this an amazing, amazing list of things that are true. I want you just to listen to this brief list. In Genesis 1.27, God tells us that we've been made in the image of God. In John 1, we are children of God. In Luke 10, we've been given authority to overcome all the power of the enemy. In Matthew 28, Jesus is with us always. In Acts chapter 1, we've been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in order to be his witnesses. In Ephesians chapter 2, we've been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. In Romans chapter 16, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under our feet. In 1 Peter 2, we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. In Hebrews 4, we've been called to come boldly into the throne room of God. In 1 John 3, we are beloved by God. He has lavished his love upon us. Now we can go on and on. This is just the tip of the iceberg as we begin to look about uh, uh, the way that God has made us, the things that are true in us, in our identity, because of who we are in Christ. Because of what Jesus has done, these things are true of us. This is reality. It is the right now truth of, how, of who we are in Christ. And this is where our spiritual authority is rooted. It's rooted in our identity. Now this all begins, all of this, in the foundation of who Jesus says we are right now in him. And all of this is God's work. This is all God's work. In all of these things, this is who God says you are without you doing anything to have earned it. Our identity is the sole responsibility of God. You are his child. Not because you have attained to that level, not because you are good enough, not because of what you've done, but because God says so. Because of his love, you are his child. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, all of these things that I've just read out are true of you. We just accept it. We just receive it as a gift from God. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is true of you. That's step one. Spiritual authority is rooted in identity. Step two, our spiritual authority is expanded in intimacy. So while the first step of this, our identity, is all about what God has done, this second step, this intimacy, is more about the partnership between us and God. This is where you and I have some kind of activity that we are called to be actively involved in. When I think about all these things, sometimes it's helpful if we take this relationship that we have with God and we put it into a human relationship that kind of helps us to understand this better. So an illustration that we can use today is the illustration of marriage. Now, not everybody is married, but you understand the basic concepts of marriage. When Farrell and I got married, that became part of our identity. We became Greg and Farrell Clark, united together, one in Christ. Our marriage was rooted in our identity as husband and wife. It just was true. It just was true. But our marriage has also expanded because of intimacy. So while it was rooted in the identity of the trueness of us being husband and wife, there was more. There was more that needed to happen. Intimacy needed to happen. And, and I'm not talking about sexuality. You guys know that intimacy is way beyond sexuality. But our marriage needed to expand in intimacy. Intimacy is friendship. It's connection. It's conversation. It's partnership. We built this intimacy in the highs and the lows of things. We've built this intimacy as we've stood together in battle, as we've, as we've celebrated together, as we've wept together. 
As we've walked side by side with each other, as we've lived life together, intimacy has been built. We've built intimacy in our every day, one foot in front of the other, living the dream and fighting the battles. We've built intimacy and in intimacy, in intimacy, our relationship has expanded. Our marriage has expanded into what it is today. Now, when we relate this illustration back to our relationship with God, our, our relationship with God is rooted in our identity. It's who God says we are. But it's expanded in intimacy, this active work of doing stuff, fighting alongside with Jesus as we live life with Jesus, as we keep in step with the Spirit, as we grow in our understanding of the Father's love. All of this stuff, our spiritual authority, is expanded in our intimacy with God. And this is what Jesus is talking about as he, as he speaks to his disciples and to us in John chapter 15. Remember, this is what Jesus says in John 15. He says, I, Jesus, am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. It's this, this understanding that there is something that happens as we stay in Jesus and Jesus stays in us, this intimacy that's developed between us that begins to bear the fruit that we're talking about. As we talk about these spiritual disciplines, as we're talking about prayer and Sabbath, and now we're talking about fasting. We are talking about the practices that connect us with God. Practices that strengthen our intimacy with Jesus so that we walk in the love, power, and presence of Jesus Christ, knowing Him and making Him known. This is what it looks like for our spiritual authority to be expanded. So when we talk about fasting amplifying our prayers, what we're really talking about is how this practice of fasting draws us into a closer walk with Jesus so that our spiritual authority is expanded. Now you understand that as we pray, we're relying on the spiritual authority Jesus has given us. We don't pray in our own power. We pray in the power of Jesus Christ. If you recall from our sermons in November as we spoke about prayer, if you weren't here for that, go back. You can get them on our website. But that we, we spoke about prayer for a whole month in November. We talked about praying in Jesus' name. Number one, an understanding of our identity in Jesus. Sorry. We pray in Jesus' name out of, number one, an understanding of our identity in Jesus. We are his beloved sons and daughters. In order to understand prayer and how we pray, we start by praying out of our identity in Jesus. And number two, we, we pray out of an understanding of the authority Jesus has placed in us as his representatives here on earth. We pray relying on the spiritual authority Jesus has given to us. And fasting, fasting is one of the practices that helps us in this. Fasting helps us to draw closer to Jesus so that two things can occur. Two things can occur. Fasting helps us to hear God better, and fasting helps us to helps God to hear us better. Okay, just listen to those one more time. Fasting helps us to hear God better, and fasting helps God to hear us better. So let me explain. First, how does fasting help us to hear God? Well, if you look in Acts chapter 13, you'll see this fascinating story about some of the very first missionaries of Jesus. Now, you know Paul was one of the first missionaries of Jesus, and this is his origin story. So here we go in Acts chapter 13. 
Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been uh, brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Notice that it's as they're fasting that the voice of God comes with clear direction. This happens other times in Scripture as well, uh, and, and in many stories that we've heard from some of the early church fathers. And, and even we have stories. We could be sharing stories today of how when we fasted and prayed, we heard clearly what the Lord was leading us into. So this happens all the time. And I, I know when I take time to, to fast and pray, there's something about that time that I hear more clearly from God. I hear His voice more clearly. Now, now, there are some physical reasons why fasting helps us to do this. So it's amazing how God has created fasting. And, and as, as the medical world catches up to what God has done, they begin to recognize some of the amazing things that happen when we, when we fast. And here's, here's what happens when we, when we fast. In the last, uh, in la I think it was last week, we talked about, maybe the last two weeks, we talked about some of the physical things that happen um, into our bodies as we fast. Well, there's also some amazing things that happen for our mental health. Now, there's peer-reviewed studies on fasting, and they've demonstrated that when people fast, there's an increased blood flow to our brains, causing us to be more alert and aware. Compare that to when we eat. You guys will understand this. I mean, we just came out of Christmas. So out of, out of, after Christmas, we understand what happens when we eat lots. When we eat lots, the blood flows to our stomachs. We even forget what day it is. I don't know how many times over Boxing Week, I was like, I think, I think it's Tuesday. And it was actually like Friday. So it's just, it's crazy, right? But that's what happens when we eat lots. But when we fast... The blood flows to our brain. It's amazing, giving us a better understanding, helping us to, to be clearer of mind and know more about what's going on. It also increases neuroplasticity. Not if we, I don't know if you've heard that term before, neuroplasticity, but our brain continues to grow. We used to have this belief, like I don't know how many years ago, but not very many years ago, we used to think that you just had as many brain cells as you've got, and as they disappear, we're like, man, you're just in trouble, right? But it's amazing what happens in our brain. Our brain continues to grow, and there's this neuroplasticity to our brain, which means it continues to move and shape and just do all this amazing stuff. God's created our brain in an amazing way. And apparently, fasting increases the neuroplasticity in our brain. Isn't that awesome? It's also been proven to increase what doctors call interoception. Okay, stock that word away for later, interoception, which is our ability to accurately notice what's happening inside of our body and our mind. It's self-awareness. It's this ability to kind of understand what's happening within ourselves. Isn't that amazing? And fasting has also been shown in some studies to stop and even reverse the effects of Alzheimer's. And with all the scientific benefits of fasting, it comes as no surprise that fasting is not an exclusively Christian thing. I mean, many people practice, many other religions practice fasting. Many health gurus practice fasting. Many people, as they're doctors and, and authors, and all, there's, there's all, this, uh, all these examples of people, as, as they want to enter into a, like this deeper level of thinking and understanding, they go through this time of fasting. Fasting is practiced far and wide because it is a way of honing our mind to a point of alertness, focus, 
and perception. I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, just, I don't think it's just happenstance that, that we've come to a place where we find out that fasting has all these amazing physical and mental uh, things that, that help us in our, in, our, uh, in our understanding of not just God, but just in our life. I think God created it this way. I don't think God said, hey, you know what? Fasting looks like it's going to be good for you, so let's do fasting. I think God created our bodies to respond to fasting in this way. Now, when we think about fasting, now, um, this isn't in the notes, but um, we, we try not to tell everybody we're fasting, right? There's this whole passage in Scripture about when you fast, you know, don't go out and kind of make sure you've got ashen faces and all kinds of stuff so that everybody knows you're fasting. You're not supposed to do your fasting in front of everybody. But as we're doing a month of fasting here together as a church, I think it's valuable for us to share stories together about our time of fasting, right? So I'm not saying, like I fasted yesterday. I'm not telling you I fasted yesterday so you guys can all be excited about me. But I want to give you an example of what it looked like for me as I fasted yesterday. Now, as we've just talked about all these amazing things that happen to our minds as we fast and like we get more clarity and stuff like that. I fasted yesterday. I didn't get all that. So I think it happens eventually that as we practice fasting more and more that we get this alertness of mind. I was, I, I had a rough day yesterday, I, but I was very nice. Like one thing in there that did happen, like my, my state of, of calm um, and all that was fantastic. Like I was super calm. I was super cool and collected. I had a great day with my family. It was wonderful. But I was, and I wasn't irritable, which is great, but I, I felt like I couldn't do anything. I got up and I did a couple of chores and I did like 10 minutes of chores and I'm like, I'm done. Like, I'm finished. I just sat down and I was just done, right? So, I mean, there's this, there's this learning and fasting as we go through this process of fasting. I think there is, part of it is going to come as we step into this more and more on a more regular basis, as Amy shared in the last couple of sermons. This was a regular practice for the church not that many years ago. People would fast twice a week. We don't do that very often anymore. I know I don't do that very often. Uh, but I think as we enter into this place of fasting more often, we're going to find this happens a lot more. I'm hoping for a lot more alertness, a lot more energy, all those type of things that come through fasting. But as we come back to what we're looking at here, so facts, fasting is practiced far and wide because of these, these extra benefits, physical benefits that people get out of it. But for us, the particular benefit for us, in addition to these physical benefits, is being able to draw near to Jesus. I felt this yesterday. Like this incredible space yesterday of being able to sit in the presence of Jesus. And maybe that's what it was about yesterday. I wanted to get a lot done. It was my day to get chores done. And I didn't get a whole lot of chores done. But I got a lot of time sitting. And maybe that's what it was about for yesterday, is a chance to pause in the presence of Jesus to draw nearer to him with, a, with, with the benefit of a clear and focused mind, with the benefit of being able to have time and space. In these times, we're able to hear Jesus' voice more clearly. And in fasting, not only is our mind attentive, but our heart is humble and hungry. Fasting somehow attunes our hearts to hear God's voice the Lord speaks to the prophet Joel in the Old Testament by saying this. In Joel chapter 2, God says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Now, fasting here is connected to our heart's cry for God. 
And there's a connected promise to this. So this is the promise of God in Joel. There's a connected promise to this from the prophet Jeremiah. And we follow the command Joel gives us to, to return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. When we, when we honor that command in Joel, then we begin to be able to lay hold of this promise that's in Jeremiah. You will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. If we look at what Joel said, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. And here Jeremiah says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Fasting is one of the ways that we seek God with all of our heart. It's a way to cultivate intimacy with our Creator, to draw near to Him, hear His voice for direction and provision, and to expand our spiritual authority as we are His representatives here on earth. Remember, spiritual authority is rooted in identity, expanded in intimacy, and activated by faith. But fasting is not just to hear God better. It's also for God to hear us better. So secondly, let's look at how fasting helps us to to helps God to hear us better. Now, this is just a clever way of remembering the two things that fasting does. Is fasting helps us to hear God and, and for God to hear us. And of course, God always hears our prayers. God always hears our prayers, whether we're fasting or not. But there is something about fasting that seems to amplify our prayers before God. Look at Isaiah with me for a moment. In Isaiah chapter 58, God rebukes the house of Jacob for the way they're fasting. And here's how it starts. God says, For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near to them. So starting right off the bat here, it seems as if Jacob is doing what they're supposed to do, that they're a nation that is seeking God. It seems they are fasting to know God more. And look at, look at what happened. So, so this first part seems like this is what they're doing, but then we hear what they're saying. So here's what God quotes them as saying. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you've not noticed? So it seems like in the first part that Jacob is this nation that is wanting to seek God. And then Jacob has this, they, they have these questions why have we fasted and, and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you've not noticed? So it seems like they're on the track, but here's what God says to them. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. And watch this next sentence. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. So God is saying to Jacob that you can't just fast and, and also be wicked. That doesn't work. This, this is, I'm not going to listen to you if you're being wicked. Even if you fast, I'm not going to listen to you. But look at the principle that God is putting out here. If Jacob were to fast and act in a right way, there'd be something powerful there. God would hear their voice on high. He would hear their prayers in a special way because they added fasting to their prayers. There's something in this passage that is teaching us that, yes, we can't fast 
and be wicked and expect God to hear us. But if we fast and we act in the right way, there's something special about the way that God hears us. So the question for us is, is uh, do we ever feel stuck in our prayers? Do we feel like we're, we're praying to a brick wall? Do we feel like there's just no breakthrough in our prayers? Well, God has created fasting to be one of the avenues for us to speak to him. It's a way of amplifying our prayers. It's a way of being able to set ourselves aside to hear him well and for him to be able to hear us well. Now listen, we have to be careful here because fasting is not a hunger strike to pressure God to give in to our demands. It's not like we're Gandhi trying to go up against the British Empire or anything like that. We are sons and daughters of a loving father. And yet, as we look back to what Joel and Jeremiah said, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. There's something about fasting that draws our hearts together to God, that we seek him with all of our heart that God responds to. There's a lot of mystery here, but as we fast, Scripture attests to how we have greater spiritual authority to release the power of God over our circumstances and the circumstances of others. Through fasting, we have the ear of God and, and walk in greater spiritual authority for boldness and sharing the gospel, for casting out demons, for releasing healing and walking in the power and the fruit of the Spirit. Do you remember when Jesus came down? He came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. There's this story in Mark where Jesus comes down. He has this amazing time with a couple of his disciples up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He comes down the mountain and the rest of his disciples are down there at the bottom of the mountain and they've been struggling with casting a demon out of a little boy. And they, they, Jesus comes down and he, and he kind of takes everybody aside and he just kind of does like this and the demon runs away and, and the disciples are like, how did you do that? Like, why did we struggle with this so much and you were just like tickety-boo, here it goes. And Jesus just says in Mark 9.29, this kind can come out only by prayer and fasting. So it wasn't that the disciples weren't walking in a way that they could exercise demons because they were already doing that. The disciples were already healing people and casting out demons and doing amazing things. That was already happening. But Jesus said there is something sometimes that you need to press in a little bit more and the way that you press in a little bit more is prayer and fasting. There's something about fasting that increases our spiritual authority, increases our ability to walk in the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. Something in fasting that, that causes God to move in a different type of a way. And that something is intimacy. Spiritual authority is expanded in intimacy. And fasting cultivates intimacy with Jesus. Look at the story of Jonah. Jonah is the story of an Israelite prophet who goes to his enemy, the enemy of the Israelites, the, the people that have, have uh, been brutal towards the Israelites, the Assyrians, the, the capital city, Nineveh. And, and here's what happens. God sends Jonah there to proclaim judgment against the Ninevites for how awful and wicked they are. And Jonah shows up and he proclaims this, this proclamation against the, the Ninevites that you are going to be destroyed. You're going to be destroyed. And here's what happens in Nineveh. Jonah chapter 3. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. That was a way to show that you were mourning. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, God relented 
and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Now there's a play on words that's lost in translation here that's really quite, quite fun. So you know the, the Old Testament was written originally in Hebrew and we read it now in English. And in the closing line, this phrase, they turned from their evil ways and God relented. In that space, there's a Hebrew word that's used there called Naham. And that word Naham is the word that means to repent or relent or to change your mind. And it's used twice. It's used for they turned from their evil ways, so they Nahamed, and God relented. God Nahamed. So here's what the text literally reads. When God saw that they Nahamed, he Nahamed. When God saw that they Nahamed, he Nahamed. Isn't that amazing? It's neat to see this, this uh, back and forth word here. What does it mean for God to repent? Isn't that interesting when you think of it this way? The people repented and God repented. He relented. He changed his mind. Author Wallace in the book God's Chosen Fast, which, by the way, if, if you want further uh, work on this, we have on a spiritual care station out there, there's little booklets that talk about our month of fasting that you can go through. And in that booklet, it recommends this book, God's Chosen Fast, by author Wallace, Arthur Wallace. So in this book, uh, Arthur Wallace uh, says this. He says, Because man repents in respect to sin, God repents in respect to judgment. Man's change of heart makes it morally possible for God to behave differently towards him, yet acting consistently with his holy character and principles. We often mistakenly assume that God is just going to do what God does. Like, well, this is just, God's just going to do whatever God does. It is what it is, we say. It is what it is. God's just going to do what he wants to do. But the pattern that we read throughout Scripture is that when God's people repent, turn from their wicked ways, pray, fast, God responds. God changes. God changes. It seems that the hand of God moves in response to the prayer and fasting of his people. When we Naham, God's able to Naham and be consistent with who he is. God never changes, and yet God changes. It's a strange thing. Jonah is one of these types of stories, but Scripture is full of stories like that. King Jehoshaphat, Esther the church of Antioch, and many more times when God changed his mind because his people prayed, fasted, repented, turned to him. All that to say, when it comes to hearing and being heard by God, not only is fasting an aid to prayer, it's an amplifier to our prayer. When prayer and fasting come together, we're drawn closer to God in intimacy and our spiritual authority is expanded. And I'll hear this. The end goal of prayer and fasting is not ultimately to increase our spiritual authority that's a byproduct the end goal of prayer and fasting is to draw nearer to god to draw nearer to him it's intimacy with our creator it's it's to enter into the life of the trinity to hear the father the son and the spirit speak their love over us and to speak back our love to them in return and as we step into intimacy through prayer and fasting we're better able to be god's representatives here on earth, walking in the spiritual authority that is rooted in identity, expanded in, in intimacy, and activated by faith. 
So we're going to take a moment as we close our, off our service here today to draw near to God. Because this is the point of all of this. The point of all these practices, the point of all these sermons, the, practice, the point of everything that we do is to draw nearer to God. And so we're going to take a moment to draw nearer to God right now. So I want you to pause with me. Close your eyes. Settle into your seat a little bit. I want you to picture your Heavenly Father. And I'm going to pray. So Heavenly Father, as we enter prayer now, we pause to be still. To breathe slowly. To recenter our scattered senses upon the presence of God. Heavenly Father, what would you say to us as your children right this moment? Now just stay in that posture and just sit for a moment. I give you about 30 seconds just to sit in the presence of your Heavenly Father and draw near to Him. Thank you, Jesus, for revealing us to us again the love of the Father. You're drawing near to us as we draw near to you. We give you honor, glory, and praise and pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So I bless you, church, to know more and more the presence of your heavenly Father, to know more and more the presence of Jesus, to know more and more of the presence of the Holy Spirit. As you draw near to him, God is faithful. He is already drawing near to you. He says, when you search for me, when you seek me out with all your heart, I will be found by you. And so God, here is your church. Here are your people. I pray your blessing upon them, that you be with them today and tomorrow and in the week ahead, that you continue to reveal yourself in powerful ways to your people. And that we would do our part to actively pursue you and to, to seek you out with all of our heart. Guide and direct us now and into this week. And we pray that you be honored and glorified, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We thank you and pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Church, you're dismissed. Don't run away too quickly. Maybe greet somebody that you haven't met before or you haven't seen for a while. Greet someone, connect with them, and say hi. Blessings on you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.